Welcome to Third Tuesday Conversation, the ELCA Youth Ministry Network's monthly podcast that focuses on ministry with those in their first third of life and their families. Our goal is to engage in conversations that help you lead in your congregations and that point you towards new thinking, ideas, and resources for your ministry. I'm Adam Butler. I'm Elizabeth Pedersen. And I'm Danica Olson. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, New Year, new intro. How I that feel, Adam? <laughs> I, you know, it was a little bit, it was it threw me off a little bit, but, you know, we we rolled with it. What does everybody let, think? We're workshopping let us know. it. Yeah. <laughs> We're workshopping it. Yeah. Go, when you, if you're going to the extravaganza this week, uh, just go find Todd Bugler and let him know what your thoughts on the new intro are. <laughs> He wants to hear them. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's like uh, if we have loyal listeners who have listened month after month after month and after month and have memorized that intro, kind of like if you, wherever you live in the country, you know, there's always a radio ad that you have memorized from beginning to end. Oh, yes. For us in the Twin Cities it, uh, in Minneapolis area, it's the Shane Company. Shane Company. Right? It's the jewelry yep, store. In Minnetonka, uh, 390. So, oh, what? I actually just like want to formally apologize for those who thought they were they were saying it along with us and that we really threw them off because, man, what a way to start your what a way to start your week uh, and your year. But it's good. It's good. It's all good. Just an intro. We're going to be fine. It's just an intro. <laughs> Everything's going to be OK. Everything's going to be OK. If this is how 24 hours 20 starting out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> To think that we would have that much gravita- gravitational pull over someone's life, over an intro—that's <laughs> actually hmm. that's actually humbling. That would be uh, that would be really impressive. <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyway, all right, hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of 2024. We are joined by the one and only, the most amazing, esteemed Reverend Kim Adams. I. I mean, that's almost as startling as your new intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have Kim joining us today. Um, she is, well, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell us where you hail from and what are all of your vocations these days? I live in Fargo, North Dakota. My husband, Dave, and I serve as campus pastors at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, and at Crossroads Lutheran Campus Ministry at North Dakota State University in Fargo, North Dakota. So we live right on the border, and Dave and I uh, have the, uh, well, what are all the words you use to describe me? I don't know. We just think we have the really cool gig of serving both uh, an ELCA college and a public college, uh, Lutheran campus ministry. So the intersection of, of that, uh, with the work that, um, you all do is pretty cool. Uh, Dave and I, before we were the most reverends, as you said, (laughs) (laughs) before we were ordained, we served in youth, uh, young adult and family ministry for about 20, 25 years. So I don't know. It's still what we do, frankly, and just, we just have a different title. Um, and when we're not doing that, we have our own kids at home that we get to parent youth group, (laughs) our own little youth group, basketball team. There's just five of them. So, um, so yeah, we're parents to, uh, twin daughters, Jensen and Kylie, who are in grade 10, 
Uh, our son Caleb is in grade eight. Our son Nati is in grade 11. And our son Jonas is a junior in college. So I feel like uh, we're also living the work that we are, that we've mm-hmm. cared so deeply about our whole, whole lives. Yeah. Awesome. And when I'm not doing that, I get to work with the ELCA Youth Gathering. Yes. Wow. Just a I little bit. The, the, the intro to you, Kim, lines up. I mean, she wasn't. <laughs> Danica wasn't just blowing smoke. Oh no, no, I wasn't. You're sweet. <laughs> well, over the past, I don't know, while around here, we've been talking about the changing landscape of youth ministry, and we uh, wanted you to be a guest to talk about while we know congregational ministry and congregational youth ministry is changing and has been changing over the last number of years. Curious about how that is affecting or changing or maybe not Mm -hmm. um, Lutheran campus ministry with young adults. So that's maybe the first question is, um, tell us what campus ministry looks like these days post-pandemic and with a different landscape. I don't know that Mm -hmm. if I have another word for for it. Yeah, I think... I think maybe uh, the advantage of campus ministry in in changing times is that that's our identity. Mm. So for good and for bad, really, sure. if yeah. we're lucky, we keep students around for four to five years. Uh, but the reality is most students don't find us, encounter us, engage with us. Like it, it's not like freshman orientation equals I'm involved in Lutheran campus ministry. Like you even think about how people get involved in your congregations or youth in a youth group. I mean, it's, it's a little tricky. Uh, And so the reality is like, there isn't like this, this whole, um, well, we always did it this way. (laughs) Because, because who would know who would know? And frankly, um, the, the lifestyle of an academic year is that it you change tw- twice a year anyway at least so you have your fall semester and your spring semester anyway so like we're not even held to well this is what we do for the whole academic year and so i think that um i think that positions us well to be so adaptable all the time uh that said when our colleges were entirely remote mm. So was our ministry and our colleges uh, stayed remote longer than congregations. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I would just say, like, think about when the pandemic started for you all. If somebody was a sophomore, they basically didn't have youth ministry yeah. in the ways that like most of us who have done it really have embodied it in terms of gathering together and I don't know, uh, playing sardines, you know, like. 75 people in one closet, you know, doesn't really go well with social distancing or whatever. Or is that the right game? Did I just say the wrong sardine? Oh, that was the right game. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, it's been a while since I've played that. But you, you know, that's not, I don't even know if that game has made its comeback, but you're right. Because it's like, ooh, that is kind of gross. I mean, it was gross even before that, but you know, and so people weren't gathering in that way. So the relationships and even like the craving of of youth ministry doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to crave a community in my young adult years. 
Uh, so I think we've had a little bit of a slog in that sense. The other thing I would say is that part of our commitment in campus ministry uh, at both institutions for from from our lens was that we weren't going to be we weren't going to be one more thing to to be impossible for people. So we simply said yes. If like at Concordia, the college we share space there. Other ELCA colleges sometimes they have. Uh, their own chapel spaces, that sort of thing. At Concordia, we don't. We share multi-use space. And so like when they needed the space to expand dining services or study space to be safer, we just, we said yes. Like we we just adapted just like you all always do. So uh, we're, we just didn't want to be one more reason for people to have headache or heartache. So we figured out how to do something a few things kind of well, and it a lot didn't go great. Uh, but what did go great was our care for people and chaplaincy just grew and grew and grew. And so it went sort of back to like the before text messaging, before any of like Snapchat DMs, uh, when, when people came into our offices or we met them for coffee or those sorts of things. There were a lot of uh, time spent on decks and outside in the lawns and that sort of thing. So I would say because of the pandemic, what has what has really grown from in our two campus ministries is an increased commitment and capacity and awareness of our gifts and accompaniment of young people in pastoral care settings. Mm-hmm. So chaplaincy has definitely increased. The thing that I probably isn't any different from you all is uh, we see uh, definitely a, a rise in anxious people across the board. And, um, and so I would just say that that's one of the ways that campus ministry, at least what the ones we're a part of are, are standing in, in those spaces right now. Mm-hmm. I will say in, in campus ministry, actually at both institutions are like, if we're going to measure by numbers, our involvement has exponentially grown this last academic year. Um, oh. like, like the biggest numbers we've been at uh, the campus ministry at NDSU for seven, this is our seventh academic year and our fifth at Concordia. And we've never seen numbers like we we're seeing right now um, at either place, but particularly at NDSU. That's awesome. And, and I don't know, we're not really doing anything different. Mm. Uh, and we're not doing, I would say externally, it doesn't look like we're doing a lot of things like our program pieces, like external pro- program pieces that we promote our uh, worship at 530 followed by free dinner on Sunday nights. And that's like, that's our program that we consistently have. And, um, and we never have, we don't have Sunday, we don't have Sunday activities if they don't have school on Monday. So like, we don't actually get going there until like the 21st of January now. So that's the other thing that's a little tricky as we think about changing and schedule as you all adapt in youth ministry too. That's a really long answer, but I think I, it's it's changing. And I think the good part for us in campus ministry is that it doesn't feel panicky. Mm-hmm. And we do see like, maybe not necessarily those of you who, who really have a bend towards youth ministry, uh, but other people who work in churches or, or people that are just reading, I don't know, the, the, like the taglines, the, the news, whatever the catchy headlines about churches changing or dying or whatever. It's like, it doesn't feel like that. And it doesn't seem like that. Nice. You mentioned that it doesn't feel 
panicky. And I mm-hmm. wonder if there's if there's been a process there for you at all, or if there's been a letting go or, you know, a practice of settling into here's where we are now. Here's who we are. I know. I mean, maybe that is your disposition in life and that would be such a gift. And I'm just curious, has there been a, a practice of of letting go and reframing? I think that that is for sure the biggest work I had to do when I started working in campus ministry. Um, And having worked in a congregation for so long, I'll even simply talk about it in terms of our funding. Um, Mm. uh, Like the way that campus ministries are funded by and large uh, is the same way congregations are funded, which is individual gifts. Some of us have the gift of, so I'm talking from like the the crossroads perspective, like at our ELCA college, we're a part of the general uh, mission of the college. We're an office of the college and the college funds our ministry for the most part. You know, there's some great donor partners, but our work at crossroads isn't is entirely fundraised. And some of us like at crossroads, we have really good synod support from the Eastern North Dakota Synod, which is not every campus ministry has that financial grant every month, but that only covers, it's less than half of our, well, less than half of our budget. And and Dave and I, we share a part-time call there. So that's also how we can do what we do. It sounds like we work a thousand jobs, but we still don't work two full-time jobs in the time, in the, in the call situation that we have. So I think that's just a perspective. So if you're thinking about college students as your congregation, they're not the ones that are going to fund the building expenses or your salaries. And so the the kind of the worry right away of like, how do we fund this thing? How does it matter? How do we tell people that it matters? All of that, I think, uh, was definitely <laughs> super anxiety producing at the beginning. I felt desperate and scared and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to tell about it. And and then I think it got to the point where I was like, well, um, this is some of my work to do. And also I need to figure out really how I can embody letting God do what God is about in our ministries. And so it was, it became about talking to pastoral colleagues and congregations and it's a huge amount of development work, but at the end of the day, I I think um, I had to really, really work hard, Elizabeth, to practice getting the heck out of the way, mm. which I mean, is sort of like, I'm totally dating myself, but when I started youth ministry, it was Tiger McLuhan who talked to us a ton about ducking. And so like setting the stage and then ducking and letting God do what God does in youth ministry, like, you know, playing the game, whatever, and get yourself out of the way. I still don't always succeed at that, especially if I feel like um, the plumbing is breaking or the furnace needs replacing. And we don't have, um, like most churches, but especially like most campus ministries, we don't have a reserve. We don't have like, we don't have restricted funds that we can like dip into to make this work right now, we don't have any of that. And so I've actually, I'm not, not an overly anxious person, but I've for sure had to really, really, really work to keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talked about the, you were just talking about anxiety for yourself, but also an- the anxious students that you're, mm-hmm. that you are getting at yep. your colleges. And that uh, I was, I was already wondering kind of like, the students that are there are the ones that were in high school 
when the pandemic was going through. So I'm I'm curious about the kind of students that you are you are getting in your ministry or that you're seeing on campuses. Anxious is one one thing, but like even going beyond beyond that, like oh, yeah. what kind of students are occupying our campuses right now? And what what I think is really unique, like you mentioned at the beginning, was that you're, you know, you're on a, a private liberal arts campus mm-hmm. and you're also on a public university campus, which, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the whole like politically charged uh campus culture right now, those give you pretty unique mm-hmm. settings. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I'm kind of I'm just curious about what kind of students are occupying these places because we because we have them right now. Right. We have the potential ones that will, mm-hmm. will join you in a few years. And so just kind mm-hmm. of wondering what, what you're seeing in that realm. Uh, maybe this plays into what makes me not feel anxious, but I feel like when people tell me they're worried about the church or the world, I am like, listen, this population literally embody that that it is their responsibility to change the the world and the church. Wow. And I didn't think that when I was in college. I just thought my job was to get my degree and find a job that had a retirement and health health insurance. Totally. I think that was the big thing. My dad has always been self-employed so he was like don't take a job unless it has health insurance. <laughs> uh, and these people are like no 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 no. Um and it's there isn't it isn't like that's some other country's problem. Those are some other people's kids. It's like, I don't know, you guys, I feel like this population of young adults that we get to, we get to walk alongside, understand neighboring as a verb, as part of their DNA. And it makes most of us who are over, hmm, I don't know, 40, a little bit like, because we're not really sure that we're ready to do that hard work. We like to talk about it. We like to, um, you know, you can go through generations of how we how we understand neighboring. Some of it's, you know, clicking on a donate button. Some of it is like talking about it. Some of it is like, oh, that's their thing. I'm going to stay in my little world. And um, and these people are like, no, this is this is ours. And so I don't know. I think they are engaged and curious and fiery. And uh, they're pretty annoyed with a lot of our passiveness and uh, the ways that like my age group and above have not tended to things. And then speaking of tending, I mean, that's, that's just thing. I, I'd so inspiring and also like convicting. And, and so that's, I love and a that little much. bit tiring, Adam, yeah. a little tiring. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> uh, the, the, te- I love the tension of that. Hmm. That it feels like it's, it feels like it's something that's bubbling, that's alive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then, a follow up question, I think, to that. Speaking of tending to to things, I I'm curious then, like the the audience that we have here in children, youth, and family ministry, mm-hmm. the ones that will that are working it, at every age throughout these young people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are some things that you think? As we talk about the changing landscape of youth ministry, what are the ways that we as youth leaders in congregations tend to these mm-hmm. young people to, I don't, I don't know if the right words prepare them for college or for what's mm-hmm. next, but like that sequence of getting them to this young adulthood, what, what are some of the things that we should be mindful of or preparing for or doing now 
that helps unleash these young people who are going to change the world? I think it actually can be really, really simple. Uh, We give everybody a baptismal candle at their baptisms and we give them a charge. Uh, And it's the charge that we have in this season of Epiphany to work for justice in the world. And so I am curious about what what our churches look like if in our gathering together, it's all about sending out. Hmm. So these people want a faith that's active. I hear a lot like our church is dying and young adults aren't coming to church, which also isn't true because they are definitely coming and they really, really, really want ritual. So that's what I'll tell you. They want they want to light candles every minute they can in a worship service. They want to also engage in the world. And they don't actually care that much about contemporary or traditional worship. Like those aren't their words. They want to they want to be with their friends and their people, but they want it to be meaningful and they don't want it to stop on Sunday at whatever the hour is when the worship is done. At the dismissal, when they when they're told go in peace and serve the Lord, they actually want a community that's going to do that. And so how is it that we're willing to engage in that? Whether it's collecting food or uh or coats or cleaning a space or um something they can turning their i don't know turning everyone's porch lights on the color purple for alzheimer awareness or whatever like it's a tangible way to show that you belong to to a greater people or are caring about something else and so i think um i think it's like a little bit back to the basics. Like it doesn't need to be showy, doesn't actually need to cost a ton of money, but it has to be embodied. Mm. That's what they want. And I would say for those of us in campus ministry, especially at a public institution, uh, I'll often get an email like, hey, Tyler Hansen is coming to NDSU. We'd love you to get in touch with him. And I'm like, awesome. How might I do that? Because it's not like I get to email the public college and ask for the student database. Now, like in the days of yore, when I was in college, that actually was a thing. Like people didn't, like any campus student organization was able to get the printed directory because like I went to college when there were phone books and no cell phones. (laughs) It's like you read my mind. I was literally going to ask you, how do campus ministry folk find yeah. students because um, I remember probably, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago, the person in Lutheran campus ministry at the uni- at the University of Minnesota said, we can't get to your people. So you have to tell us. So my next question was going to be, how is it both from a like telling you that someone's in your neck of the woods, um, but also how do, how do congregations um, join what's happening at campus ministries near them. I know, well, you're probably going to say about the the Lutheran campus ministry website where you can enter in all of your things, but I don't even know if that's like a relevant tool anymore. So I think the tricky, so that is a tool and it's not, it's helpful in some ways. I think the tricky part is sometimes, uh, so it's a tool, you can find it on the ELCA website where you can refer, um, I think it's through Lumen is what it's called, and you can like refer a student. And then what happens is I get an email that has whatever contact information the person filling it out has for the person. Um, but the tricky part to that is 
uh, sometimes it's, well, not even sometimes it's one directional. So it's like, it's pretty removed. Sometimes the person that fills out the form doesn't tell the person, the prospective student or incoming student or current student that they're sharing their information. And then they get a text message from the random pastor at the place. And they're like, that's a little aggressive or, you know, but I don't have any other way to like, that's what I got. Or I yep. get their mom's phone number or, you, you know, yes. like there can be some, there can, there's some tricks to that. Um, but what I think here's where I found it to be successful, uh, at crossroads. One of the things that we do is often have churches bring their youth groups and they'll like serve a meal or come to worship with us or do a service project with us or, uh, that sort of thing. So they'll participate on Sunday at worship. They also are sort of amazed that you can actually engage in a whole worship service that only takes 30 minutes. Like that's possible. So they're like, huh. And then they have meal together. Sometimes they'll serve the meal, but that's one of the ways to like, actually that, that is probably the most beneficial way because it shows them how to get to the building. Cause we're not right on campus. Sure. Uh, we're right at NDSU. We're adjacent to the college or right across, right across the street be- behind all the fraternities and sororities actually. <laughs> and so like that first step into the building is always like the trickiest, uh, and, or even like, we'll sometimes have churches that will serve a meal that will do a specific invite to their members that they know are at the college, um, and say, Hey, come meet me. Uh, I'm serving dinner tonight, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, that goes really, really, really well, or just scheduling a time to grab coffee together works really good. The same is true. Uh, we don't, we, because of our spot on campus at Concordia, it's not like we have outside groups serving food. Uh, but there are still, there are still opportunities in which congregations will bring youth groups or pastors or youth leaders will bring, um, students, um, to the area for maybe a day off of school and they'll see Concordia and do a service project or things like that. And we can host them in some way, but that those are, those are really great ways. And then the cool part is even if the, the students aren't your high schoolers, aren't going to either of those, the institutions in which you tour, you can, it gives you the the framework to be like, and there's one wherever you're going. Yeah. That's the cool part. The other thing I'll just say is like our campus ministry at NDSU, I mean, uh, the the language is that we serve our primary focus is students at NDSU, but we have we have non-students that come. We have we have people that might be in like gap years or have finished their undergrad but haven't haven't landed their dream job or a draw a job or taking a break before masters, that sort of thing that find community there. The other thing is our students go back and forth. If Sunday night works for a cobber, they come to sometimes Sunday nights at NDSU. And if Thursday morning works better then our NDSU students come on over there. So they don't, they don't care about that. Well, I mean, church membership, that's a different podcast, but that it doesn't, that it doesn't matter <laughs> to them. I want to do that podcast. That's a fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned next month. <laughs> Church membership. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, awesome. These people are going to change that. I think too. <laughs> By yes. the way. Oh boy. <laughs> but someone else can talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Do you ask Dave if he's available? <laughs> <in February? laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Uh, I love it. (laughs) I think it's easy no matter where you're located in a church, in a campus ministry, and everywhere in between to make assumptions about what does or doesn't happen. Mm. And Mm. um, about the people. I mean, I just think generalizations are made all over the place about teenagers, about um, young adults. And one of the reasons I love, love youth ministry and young adult ministry is that I get to be a voice of opposition to what Mm. the world says about Mm. my people. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm, I mean, you've already tooted their horn, but I, I'm curious to know, like, what are you marveling at in the students that you work with right now that like, yes, they want to be about active faith and justice oriented life, but like, what is their giftedness and how would you suggest we in congregations capitalize or harness that energy once they graduate? Mm. Wow. I think the thing that I'm seeing the most that I love that has probably changed who I am, actually, is this deep commitment, a a fierce commitment of curiosity and education and to not just settle. Mm. Um, And I think, honestly, that we don't offer mm, like a variety of perspectives on a regular basis, period. And I think that I watch how they engage scripture with curiosity and wonderment. And I watch how they engage the news with curiosity. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily say judgment, but their ability to analyze and think critically is, is quite remarkable. I remember in one of the first like anti-racism trainings that I ever did, it made me ask, or the question that the facilitator asked was something about when I remember questioning like my history book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really old and I wasn't, I wasn't actually taught yeah. to have agency or curiosity. I, um, and frankly, it didn't occur to me yep. that it could be wrong mm-hmm. and that it could only be telling me one side of things. Yep. And I think that overwhelmingly, this is a group of people that have, of course, been raised in a digital age. So they don't actually know a time in which they couldn't search for an answer for something. And the older they get, uh, the more savvy they're getting as to really evaluating where they're getting their information from. Mm -hmm. So I would say, how could you harness or help? I would say like, be curious and help them do that. Show them. And I would say like, show them that it's possible and important to do the same thing with our texts. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And how is it that it could be compelling or aggravating or whatever? And how to, how to wrestle with something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I have the best job in the world, just so you know. I feel like I do. Sounds like it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think we can't do what we do without people that work in children, youth, and family 
And so I think maybe I feel like that because that's still at the core of who we are. It's still what we do. Um, just in a, and I've never in my life had such a restricted age population. Mm. I mean, at Concordia, we also, we get to chapel in the whole college. So we have professors and staff and faculty and um, um, just all of us regular workers there that we get to, that, that get to be a part of our chaplaincy. But for the most part, to focus specifically on this population is pretty fun. Well, and I just, just making the connection to, you know, two, two podcasts in a row. We just, we just had a conversation with Lyle Griner last month and, yeah. and, you know, his, his thing of course is youth are either leading or they're leaving. That's um, right. And, you know, more, more specifically in conversations I've had with him, he has talked about how youth ministry is probably more like leading the leading or like teaching in Sunday school or leading a small group in confirmation. Or uh, as you're talking about, like when we're talking about like service oriented young people that like youth ministry is, is activating that part of, of them rather than games and hoot nannies and youth group night and those kinds of things that like, now I'm just making the connection for myself that, you know, two, two podcasts in a row, two really frontline people thinking about this stuff in different ways are kind of calling us as leaders in youth ministry to think about youth, young people oriented ministry in ways that plug them in, in different ways to actually leading the changing of church, the changing of campuses, the changing of the world in ways that we've never, we've never done on this scale before. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're, you know, it feels kind of scary and tiresome, right? But it's also, but it's also like the, the call of this group of ministers to do this kind of thing to get young people leading so that when they get to when they get to you, Kim, that like that this that's the the place where they get to challenge challenge everything and learn as much as they possibly can, but unleash them on the world to do those those things. I I just uh, I don't know. It, it's it's inspiring something within me to be thinking about these kinds of ministries in a in a different way. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. It's really you're saying it. It is about leadership for sure. Yeah over and over again. And that's what we sell, tell churches all the time. It's like, it, it's not oftentimes in campus ministry, we get talked to from people like, well, aren't you creating more pastors? We have a shortage yeah. of pastors. And uh, you maybe you haven't heard this, but that's like, that. that is what they talk to us about. And one of the things, like for sure, uh, church workers, camp counselors, all of that d- does absolutely come from connection, often comes from connection in some ministry, partnership, leadership, whatever. But the other thing I say is like, we're also walking alongside leadership and like your next CPA or your next teacher or your next um, sanitation worker or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't, it isn't just that vocation. <laughs> like that's what we're about vocation work and it doesn't necessarily, uh, it doesn't exclusively mean the real yeah. definition of vocation is that <laughs> no matter who or where you are, you are God's hands and feet in the that's world. That's right. That's right. Weird. Your mm-hmm. passion and heart and gifts meets needs of the world. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> done and done. Yeah. 
I do think I echo what Adam said, uh, you know, and thanking you for the perspective that you're bringing. And I'm also thinking back on all the conversations that we've had over the last couple of years about, you know, where are we and what are we doing? And what you said earlier about it's kind of like back to the basics, which is a little bit of a mind blowing concept because it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Back to the basics, but it feels like that. I feel like I keep coming back to, yeah, it really is back to the basics, but to a different end. And mm-hmm. I think that that piece there is defining to what end are we going back to the basics is the shift, at least in me, in how I have uh, imagined youth ministry over the years and reimagined it and then, you know, crapped it and then tried to figure out what's next. And, you know, that has been the reforming uh, for me. And, um, just, yeah, you're uh, just affirm that you, you're saying, you're saying the things that everyone else is saying. And it's like, okay, when are we going to put it all together? (laughs) You know, I think piece by piece, we'll put it all together and find a new way forward. But it's, and I think some of you are like, because you're willing to, because you're willing to throw it out and try something new and keep going. I think that's, I think that's how the church stays relevant, frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have one final question that we love to ask our, our guests. And um, that is, and you can say whatever you want, but uh, this is a podcast for those working with people in the first third of life. And I wonder, you know, what would you like them to hear today? Thank you. Mm. And your work matters. And you don't have to work as hard as you're working. You could take that day off and be good to yourself too, over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I know for sure that you all and they don't hear it enough. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Before we go, here are a few announcements and reminders. As this podcast is being released, we're just a couple days away from the launch of Extravaganza 2024. We hope that you're going to be there and be a part of it. The team is there right now, getting everything ready for a great event. Please keep the event, the participants, and the leadership teams in your prayers this week. And don't forget, if you're not able to be with the roughly 800 people gathering in New Orleans, you can still register for the online version and watch the general sessions and workshops in real time. Go to ext24.org to get more information. The next Oasis webinar is coming up in just a couple of months. If you're a plus-level member of the network, the cost is included in your membership. Our special guest teacher is Stephanie Caro from the Ministry Architects. The topic is post-pandemic volunteers. It's a weird phase, right? She'll be talking about how we recruit, support, thank, and retain volunteers in a world where volunteerism has turned upside down. The date is April 18th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can register at elcaymnet.org slash oasis. The cost for non-network members and basic level members is $25. We encourage you to visit connectjournal.org. The journal just released a new article by Dr. Jacob Sorensen called The Big Four, A Roadmap to Revitalizing Ministry in the First Third of Life. It is the result of a research project that discovered those four things that had the greatest impact on the faith of ELCA young people. You can find the article at connectjournal.org. 
Finally, one last thing. I'm just going to throw this in here. It's not in the script. Sorry, Todd. Not sorry. If you're coming to the extravaganza, I just want to make sure you're aware of the Gathering Scavenger Hunt Tour that is happening on Saturday from 3.30 to 5.30. In the past, there have been bus tours to take you around to see sites of the gathering. And this time we're shaking it up. It's going to be really fun. Uh, We'll utilize the app called Goose Chase that we're going to use during the gathering. And you'll still get to see all the sites. You'll get to connect with some of the um, gathering leadership and have a chance to win prizes and experience the city of New Orleans. It's going to be really fun. Make sure you check that out and put it on your calendar for Saturday at 3.30. Thanks to all of you who are members of the network. Your membership makes things like Third Tuesday Conversation, our mobile app and Connect Journal, Information Co-op, The Extravaganza, and much more possible. If you're not a member of the network, we encourage you to join. If you are, double-check to make sure your membership is up to date. You can do so by logging into the website and then clicking on your name at the top to see your account status. We're grateful to be a community that cares for this ministry. Thanks so much for listening. New podcasts will be released on the third Tuesday of every month. Be sure to subscribe so you receive them as they come out and share with your friends. And finally, thank you to Paul Amlin, the 3TC producer, for his work. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.